Charlene and Bob Steinkamp, the founders of Rejoice Marriage Ministries, are pleased to bring you the following message. To find out more about other materials available from Rejoice Marriage Ministries, or if we can minister to you in any other way, please contact us. You can write Rejoice Marriage Ministries, P.O. Box 10548, Pompano Beach, Florida, 33061. Please visit our website at www.rejoiceministries.org. Our hope is that through Charlene's message, you will receive the encouragement from the Lord and with His strength and power, your marriage can be all that your Heavenly Father planned it to be. Welcome to our Rejoice Marriage Ministries conference call tonight. We are excited that you have um, taken time out of your schedule to join us. My name is Lori, and I am Bob and Charlene's daughter, and we are so looking forward to tonight. Um, I want to introduce you, first of all, to um, the men that are going to be joining us, and my mom is going to get on the line in a minute, and she'll give a greeting, Um, but tonight we have a special treat and that we have Jim, Rusty, and Dave joining us. Jim and Rusty both live in North Carolina, and Dave lives in Virginia, and you probably recognize their names if you read the Standing Firm Men's Devotional, because they all contribute to that. And so I know that um, tonight is going to be a blessing as they share with us and um, talk through some of the things that they've gone through in their stand and praying for their wife. Um, I want to first do some housekeeping things and let you all know that if you are not already following us on our Rejoice Marriage Ministries Facebook page, you can um, go over there and follow our page. And if you have a question that comes up as we're talking tonight, you can post a question on that page, and if time permits, we will try to get through some of those questions. Um, But without any further delay, let me go ahead and um, turn it over to my mom, Charlene, and she will get us officially started for tonight. We're so excited to have everybody, and we really want you to encourage you to call some of your prayer partners, call some of your stander friends, and tell them to call in, and it will not cost you anything. And we just want everybody to learn. We've got um, three men, and the women are going to learn a lot tonight. And uh, it's going to help you just as much as men. And I believe the Lord is even going to send us some prodigals to listen in on this also that are just happening to browse around the website and uh, trying to figure out what they should be doing. So we are just excited what God's going to do tonight. We want to, uh, Rusty, Jim, and Dave, you guys, we've talked together, and we're thrilled. I am thrilled to have you do this. We talked about it a few weeks ago, and it is happening. And uh, welcome. Thank you, Charlene. Good to be here. Yes, Charlene. Thank you. Thank you, Charlene. Okay, and that was Jim, Rusty, and David. And uh, what we're going to do is um, we're going to try to have a great night of uh, of more convincing even the ones that are listening of why we need to stand in the gap for our 
wives or husbands and for our children and that we do not give up. We may get a little bit weary or tired, but we are going to stand strong with the Lord. And I'm going to open up with prayer and then I'm going to do a little uh, scriptures to confirm this that I just shared about. Lord, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for these three men that have opened themselves up to first writing for standing firm and encouraging uh, other men and women. And we just give you the praise and the glory for the gifts and the talents that you have given them. We uh, thank you for giving them the wanting to share their transparency of what they are learning and going through on their spiritual journey, fighting for their marriage. And Lord, we know this is a spiritual battle. It's, it says it in the Bible, and we know that Satan is out to steal, kill, and destroy uh, our marriages, which you created, and that what God has put together, not man, uh, put us under. But Lord, we gr- you are greater, and we can go through anything. And you created Adam. And then you created Eve to be the helpmate. And, Lord, we just want to stay focused on your perfect will and way for our marriages. And we said wedding vows, and we made a commitment for life. And we want to continue this commitment. And even if we have to go through battles and fires and or um, uh, going through the deep rivers, or waters, we are going to get through it because you are holding us with your righteous right hand. So, Lord, we just ask that you would open our ears, open our eyes, open our hearts to receive this tonight, and may it be used in the future to help marriages be restored and rebuilt and resurrected. They may have been dead in the appearance of a divorce, but it does not matter because I and Bob were divorced and God touched us and touched me first. And then he touched Bob and transformed him totally differently. So, Lord, we believe that you can do anything, that nothing is impossible, and we are going to share three families of stories, and we're just asking you to bring glory and honor to it. And we ask most of all that you would touch every one of these standards that are listening and every one of these men, that you would touch all of these men and women, and you would touch and Go to their most urgent need and meet it. And number two, bring their spouse, their husband or wife home soon, quickly, or show us what we need to do to help um, get our part right and start rebuilding our home as we do. As we're building the ark, and we will give you all the praise and glory. Bless tonight, Lord. It is your night, your will, your way. And we'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're thrilled to have everybody here, and we just ask that you would uh, continue to call people. And I'm going to open up with Matthew 19. I'm going to open up with just two scriptures um, that I'm going to use tonight to start. And it's in scripture, um, Matthew 19, verse 4. And it's Jesus talking. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made the male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. That's one of my favorite scriptures of talking about that God hates divorce, and that's why we're standing in the gap for our husbands and wives to uh, know that 
even if you divorce them, as I did, in anger and bitterness, and I reached my limits, and I thought that Bob was never going to change. He repented and changed and then went back into a trap, and I did not realize it was a spiritual battle at that time. And uh, I don't know where I was in, in church, but I did not understand the covenant, and I did not understand the battle, and I had not put on the armor of God at that time, and now you hear me teach about it all the time, and we even put it on tonight before we even prayed and started officially, but we just want you to understand what love really is, and we can say we love our husbands, we love our children until we really understand what what God uh, describes love, and uh, I want to read what uh, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians um, 13, and it says, and um, and I'm going to end with the very last verse of uh, 12, and it says, but eagerly desire the greater gifts, and now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. And while I'm reading this, I want you all to examine your hearts of where you are. Because we can say we love our spouse and we love our children, but we can react and act and speak and talk and, and our emotions and feelings and, and, and all what we do at home. And we may be acting a total different way at work or at church or serving the Lord, but we may not be doing it at home, which is our most special a treasure that God's given us. He's given us a spouse, and he's given us uh, children. So it says, love is patient. I'm going to start again. And love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And I'm going to skip to 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And that's what we need with standing. But the greatest of these is love. So I'm going to ask you, where are you with, um, where are you right now today, tonight at 7.09 p.m. with loving your spouse? Are you forgiving them? Are you angry? Do you have a root of bitterness? That's what we want to have you hear three men's stories of where they are and how they've come to the point they are. And we want you to examine your own heart and take notes and or write some things down so that you can realize how you can grow in the Lord in the future. That's our our goal tonight is spiritual growth. And I'm going to ask Jim to share his brief, it's going to be a brief um, story of his um, marriage, and then they're all going to share, and then we're going to go and do a group discussion and asking them uh, personal more questions that I have already set up for them. So, uh, Jim, 
Welcome, and you're from North Carolina, and you write Standing Firm, and we've met you um, more than once, and uh, I've met both of you, Rusty and Jim, at conferences in the past, and Dave I've not met yet, but that'll be on our list, but we're thrilled to have all three of you, but Jim is going to start tonight sharing about his marriage and uh, what happened to their marriage and where he's at now spiritually. Well, Charlene, thank you uh, for having us on. And you're in for a treat when you meet David, let me tell you. Um, Rusty and I and David got together, as you mentioned earlier, um, and had a phone call with you, which was pretty awesome while the three of us were together, which actually set this night up. And so we're grateful. I I think I can speak for all three of us. And forgive me, my voice is a little funky only because I've been kind of sick the last few days, but... uh, First off, I want to say I don't believe in coincidences, and it's amazing to me that you started out with Matthew 19 because that was the second scripture that was ever given to me by God um, when I finally started opening up the Bible um, for life application for myself. The first one that I was <clears throat> opened up to when I was uh, during my what I call a Damascus Road experience was Hosea, and I'll get to that in a minute, but let me kind of give a quick testimony as to how my relationship with my wife ended up starting and how it uh, is to where it is today. I grew up in a Catholic home, um, very, um, uh, we were practicing Catholics as children with our parents. Uh, It was the type of faith that was more of an obligation uh, than relationship. And I grew my, actually grew my family in the same context uh, for many, many years. Uh, I met my wife, when I, when she was 14, I was 18. Uh, we started dating when she was 17, uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, her dad was a big guy and wouldn't let that happen, and I wasn't about to question that. <laughs> um, for about 10 years on and off, we dated. Um, we attended church together and really never talked about anything uh, about our spiritual relationship or our individual walks. I guess I really didn't have one. Um, Being uh, in the Catholic faith, it wasn't something that I focused on. I knew that Jesus was still on a crucifix, and, uh, you know, I I felt pretty guilty about that, and I think that a lot of Catholics might go through that same process. But it never clicked with me about a personal relationship with Jesus um, until I was 49. And the reason that happened, obviously, was uh, my wife had actually left, uh, and it kind of brought me to my knees, but let me, let me back up instead of moving ahead so much. Uh, we married in 1990. We had um, our first child actually out of wedlock. Um, I was not a chaste kind of guy. Um, I actually look back on that, and I think, you know, how I let the enemy just kind of walk in and rule my life from a sexual perspective. And I think as men... We struggle with that, you know, and if we're just being transparent, which I hope our audience tonight is okay with that, um, I should have been more aware of how that could destroy my future uh, with my bride, and I, it never struck me. Um, I grew up in a home where we really didn't learn love uh, from a biblical perspective. As a matter of fact, I, I grew up in a very violent home. My dad was an alcoholic. Um, and he was a very abusive man. And so I, we learned, and it's funny, I talked to our siblings about this, we learned more how to hate in a marital relationship than we 
actually learned how to love. So I brought all that into my marriage with my wife. And um, so in 2003, what changed was I was at a business conference and there was a non-denominational service from a gentleman who was in the same business that I was in. I owned my own business my whole life pretty much uh, since the age of 20. And I was in the real estate development business, and so was this man. And he spoke about this Jesus uh, that I knew, but in a very different way. Um, one where he's forgiven you of all your sins, and you could have a personal relationship. And there were there was terminology there that I really hadn't listened to before, and God opened my ears for the very first time. But leaving that conference in 2003, I went right back into the Catholic Church and thought, okay, maybe I'll get something more out of this now that I know something a little different. I didn't take that on as a personal um, retreat, so to speak. I just fell right back into the Catholic Church um, and raised our children in the Catholic faith. Um, In 2010, my wife and I decided that we would potentially move a little bit further south. We lived in Vermont uh, all our lives. I'm fifth generation Vermont. Our kids are sixth generation. Both my wife and I are, you know, uh, very well rooted in Vermont. Our families were up there. And so we decided to take a look at the south, and hence we ended up in uh, North Carolina, which is a perfect medium between here and Florida, Florida, we figured. And so moving in 2011... In July of 2011, my wife's job uh, would take her all over the country. She would fly first class um, and stay in first class hotels, and she got a really uh, dramatic taste of a different life than we had. We were doing quite well in business for ourselves and with her income, um, but in 2009, when the economy started to really hit the skids in the real estate development business, I saw a lot of my friends, a lot of real estate developers, you know, file bankruptcy. And we were able to maintain and keep um, quite a bit of equity still. And so God was good. I look back and I think, man, the hand of God was there the whole time. When we moved in 2011, my wife and I had been through an awful lot of financial distress. We had really, you know, tried to hang on to what we had. Um, And she was the primary breadwinner in our family for about, a solid two years, and uh, that took a lot of toll. It it changed who she was. Uh, I think that, you know, she was relying on me to be, um, you know, the the head of the house, not just from a a biblical standpoint, but from a breadwinning standpoint, you know, primary income, so to speak. And and I saw her her change, um, you know, going through that process. And so I, I really started to question myself. I started to doubt who I was as a man. Um, was I really the guy that she married? And, and and I think by doing that, it allowed Satan in even further. And he really started to, you know, to change my heart about who I was and how, um, you know, my confidence in myself. And so there was so much going on in that time period when we moved in 2011. We came here in July of 2011, and... That same year in November, my wife, uh, just around Thanksgiving time, announced that she was leaving. Um, so we had just bought this beautiful brand-new, not brand-new, but a used house for us. It was like a dream home for us. And here she is deciding she's going to leave, and she actually did leave in January 2012. Um, at that time, I was just shattered. Here I am in this massive home, I mean, incredibly large home, 
in in on the coast of North Carolina by myself. Our children are grown. Uh, our daughter lived in Boston, but we moved all of our kids' stuff like it was our, you know, like it was the house we were going to raise our grandchildren in. And in a very short period of time, it was just me and the dog in a in a very large home, uh, and it was, felt very lonely and very empty. I remember her flying back in one weekend, and uh, she had texted me early on. She had cut communication pretty quickly, texted me and said, I'm flying back into town. Please leave the house so I can come back in and get some stuff. And I told her, I said, listen, I'll leave the house. I'll go to a hotel. You just, you know, come get what you need. And she said, no, you don't understand. I'm going to be remote for 10 days. And so I went and locked myself into a hotel room for 10 days. And I've mentioned this in a story a couple times before, but in that 10-day period, it was just me, the DOG, my dog, and the G-O-D, and God. And for the very first time, I had what I now look back as uh, on as a Damascus Road experience, much like Paul, Saul, who became Paul. Um, and if you don't know that story, it's something you absolutely need to read in Acts. I opened the Bible for the very first time, and I read, and I just discriminately opened it up, indiscriminately opened it up, and I landed on Hosea. And it was Hosea 4, 6, and it said, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected my knowledge. And that was me. I had, I was being destroyed. My whole family was being destroyed because I had no scriptural knowledge as to what God's intent was for marriage. And it was obvious to me. I had done all the right things in the world. But by the way the world saw us, we were very successful. Our marriage looked fantastic on the outside. But there were many, many struggles on the interior. My wife had some significant baggage that I was totally unaware of or oblivious to because I was more concerned about myself. I kept looking at myself as to how I was failing. And and every time we'd get into an argument of some kind, it was always about me and never really about her her needs in terms of how she saw love. I'm sure there's a lot of men that might be on this call that can relate to this, but I'm also positive that there are many women who are on this call tonight that can relate to a man who does not understand how they need to see love. That was me. I never understood love until I opened up Scripture. And then at the time that I opened up Scripture, after my wife left, I needed to know what the loopholes were, first off. I mean, how is it that my wife could leave, and what is God, how does God see this? And when you read Matthew 19... That's the next scripture I actually went to when I started looking up, you know, separation and divorce and remarriage. And it was clear to me how Christ, the rock of our foundation, actually sees marriage. And for those of you who don't know Matthew 19 from the verse that Charlene left, I would encourage you to read Matthew 19 all the way to 28. He's very clear. There's no gray area. um, And that has been probably the biggest... um, you know, honestly, the grounding point, the anchor for me in terms of my stand for my marriage, God only sees one covenant, and it's clear that Jesus repeats that covenant in the way that he talks about it in Scripture, Matthew 19, uh, 4 through 28. So anyway, the long and the short of my uh, current stand is it's it's been a while. There's no communication between my wife and I. Um, I see her occasionally. She does live in the same town. She moved away for a while, but has now, you know, been back for a while. And um, there's there's more buzz about her moving again. But uh, it's been a it's been a long hard road. And, and again, 
transparency. It's not been a simple one. Uh, I think a stand for your marriage, especially when you um, commit your life to God and understand that the Lord is in control of this. Uh, I know the enemy attacks you regularly. Um, I do talk to standers frequently, and, and we all struggle. We all struggle, but uh, that's the point of a call just like this, is to understand. That is the that's the exact reason. And, uh, Jim, I appreciate you opening it up and uh, sharing how you got to the point of being divorced. And not everybody is always divorced. Uh, we have a many, many in-home standers that have in-home prodigals. And we, I want to address that immediately, that that is, we understand where you are, and you are, are having to go through uh, uh, the fire while your spouse is there going and leaving. But that you're going to learn tonight, and we, we will address that, if not strongly Tonight we'll address it in another uh, uh, another conference. But anyway, let's um, let's go on to Rusty and uh, have him share briefly uh, where you are and how you got there. How, what happened to your marriage? Yeah, well, good evening, everybody. Uh, just before I get started on my story, I do want to mention that my mom and dad today is July, uh, June twenty second, and they are celebrating their fifty ninth wedding anniversary today so that well, was that's uh, a little awesome. bit of a surprise there but I, that's <laughs> awesome. yeah that's, that's awesome. yeah, 59. yeah yeah when we scheduled this call and wound and landed on june 22nd then uh yeah my heart kind of left because uh yeah i knew i'd get to share that tonight but um wow anyway so, uh, are they both alive rusty uh, they are, yes, they are. They live about 15 minutes from me, and I get to see them uh, a couple of times a week. Uh, pretty much, they that they live awesome. about three minutes from where I go. They live about three minutes from where I go to church. So, yeah, I usually go by and spend Sunday afternoon over at their house, and just uh, well, tell yeah, them nothing like Bravo. Yeah, yeah, I will do it. So that's uh, you know, and to a large degree, the way they've made it because it hasn't been an uncomplicated marriage. The way they've made it is just a commitment to the permanence of marriage, and they took their wedding vows very simple, yeah, very seriously. You know, when they said one of us is going to bury the other, and uh, exactly. you know, we're going to be there. And if you if you leave me, I'm going with you. That's uh, that's been their attitude all through their marriage, and uh, during times when I thought they weren't going to make it. Yeah, they just, uh, you know, they hung in there. So they definitely have been an inspiration. But, um, yeah, I was, uh, you know, we were married for 19 years before we went into crisis. Uh, July 29th, 2010, at 136 in the afternoon is when our crisis began. And uh, not that that date or time sticks out in my mind in any way, but uh, not yeah, at we, all, uh, right? You know, <laughs> <laughs> you're a you're a not detail of figures, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, there's there's something funny in everything, but uh, yeah, that's uh, I'm still trying to find the, the, what was funny about that. But anyway, yeah, so that's uh, yeah. My wife said, you know, I'm leaving you, and I mean it this time, and. Yeah, and my first thought was, okay, well, I've heard this three other times before, and you know this, uh, but this felt different. I mean, there was, uh, you know, there there was a, a stalwart determination, you know, about uh, you know about this approach, and 
Yeah, it all started when she asked me for the combination to the gun safe, and that's, uh, yeah, of course, my mind went uh, about eight different directions <laughs> when she asked for that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, okay, but that's uh, that that afternoon is when it began, and she said, you know, I'm, you know, I don't think we need to be together anymore. I want out, and I want you to go to two guys and you know, two attorneys and a fax machine, and let's get this done as quick as possible. And I'm immediate thought was thank you, but no. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I only knew four things at that time. I knew four things, and that is marriage is sacred and marriage is permanent. And I had no scriptural grounds for divorce. And therefore, I was not going to pursue divorce. And if she pursued it, then I would take steps to defend myself from the evil that was going to come about from that. But I was not, I did not initiate anything uh, right up until the time that she actually filed for divorce. And, yeah, that's, uh, we actually made it to our 20th uh, because we went into crisis in 2010 and we were in the house together, her with her lawyer and me with mine. Through 2010 on into August of 2011 is when we finally separated, and um, yeah, that was um, yeah, it, it was uh, our home became a prison more than anything else. I mean, it was just I never knew what I was going to get when I got home. I would you know stop three houses down from my house and pray before I went into my house, and it was. Um, yeah, I can earmark that as probably the most treacherous time in my life, you know, that I ever spent was that year that we uh, we we were in the house together, but we were lawyered up and we were working through you know, three mediations and many thousands of dollars that just you know just it still floors me to this day. But um, anyway, yeah, you know, that's uh, in in our our marriage was never really strong because we were. Uh, and me especially, you know, and, and as as goes the you know, as goes the head of the house goes the house is that we were incredibly selfish, and you know, the, yeah, I look back on it. I mean, it might be easier to explain, or, or and I don't know. It might have been easier to accept if one of these things had happened, but there was no adultery, there was no financial misuse or abuse, or no financial issues. There was no drug abuse. There was no physical abuse. All the others say, you know, you list out all the different things that people say are the reason why they're getting good. We didn't have any of that. They basically, I was a practicing, and I know all of you have heard me say this before. I mean, I mean the, uh, you know, the three of us that are, that are doing the conference call tonight, Charlene, that I was just a, yeah, you know, I was an arrogant, prideful, selfish fool, and I just literally sucked the life out of my wife over 19 years. And yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I look back on that now, but the way I approached our marriage was, you know, wife, you're broken, okay? You you had this issue, you had this issue, you grew up in this kind of home, and you're broken. So what you need to do is go to Christian counseling and get your stuff fixed. And then when you get your stuff fixed, you can come home and be the godly wife for me that you were intended to be. And... Yeah, that's a, it, it almost it, it gives me reflux to say that nowadays, say it out loud. But that's how I approached our marriage. And you know, one can look at that and say you'd be a pretty exceptional woman to you know, to just have the life sucked out of them like that you know, by, by so much pride and arrogance and selfishness. And 
Yeah, and that's uh, yeah. You, you can just hear it in that statement when I make that. You know, as to how I approach our marriage, and um, but nonetheless, she chose. Uh, you know, she chose to end the marriage and she chose to separate. And um, but we separated in August of 2011. Uh, we made it through the first year, and some of you may know in North Carolina, you have to be separated for a year before you one could actually file for divorce. So, well, we got to August of 2012, and there was no filing, and I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe this is a turning point. You know, maybe something's going to happen here. And, um, yeah, that's uh, but then in January of 2013, which was a good 16 months later, you know, my wife actually filed for divorce. And, uh, you know, in Satan's way of doing things, our divorce was granted on our son's 18th birthday. And uh, uh, it was uh, uh, or April, 20, April 26, 2013. So, um, yeah, that's a, we do have just the one son. He is an adult uh, now, 22 years of, old, of age, and he has uh, been in the Air Force now. So he just finished up about a year and a half. Or he just finished his first year. He's about halfway through his second year in the Air Force. And, um, yeah, it was just uh, during a time it happened, everything started when he was 15 years old, which is just a treacherous time, you know, for a, a family to come apart. Um yeah, when a child's that age. And, yeah, I praise God now that we chose not to have a second one because the second one would have been 12 to 13 years old during that time, and, and that would have been you know, just uh, unbelievable. But knowing this, that marriage is sacred, marriage is permanent, and I didn't know anything about the scriptures at that point in time. It's just what everybody was telling me is that, well, you can't get divorced unless your wife commits adultery or unless she's a non-believer and she abandons you, Yeah, which I've since learned is uh, not the case as well. And, uh, yeah, it was about six months into our crisis is when a friend of mine shared rejoiceministries.org website for me, and I became uh, an official stander at that point in time. And... Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much where you know, today um, we have casual conversation mainly about our son. You know, for example, he's taking two weeks leave starting Monday. He's coming home to uh, you know, to our home here in North Carolina, and uh, well, he's going to spend his time between the two homes. And we have casual conversation about things of that nature, but uh, for the most part, it's very arm's length. It's very business and. Yeah, but as I was, I was saying earlier, Charlie, you got to start somewhere. So, yeah, that's um, Amen. and I have been Amen. standing. I've been I've been standing since two thousand. I've been standing since before I even knew what standing was since two thousand. Amen. And Amen. Many have. <laughs> uh, yeah, Rusty. Yeah. Thank you. Now let me ask one question. Me, so sort of the same. Were you involved in church and active in church, you or your wife, through your twenty years of yeah, marriage? We were both active in church. I mean, that was, uh, I grew up in the church, in the uh, Southern Baptist Church. I converted to Catholic and then, you know, decided that uh, I was neither, so I became non-denominational at that point in time. And one of the reasons why I married my wife is that she was a believer and she didn't believe in divorce and said that when we knew each other for about two days and knew that. But we always... Yeah, after we got married, we always found a church, even when we relocated uh, to Alabama and then to South Florida and then up here to North Carolina. Then 
Yeah, we um, we always say on the church, we were always involved in the church. We each had led people to Christ before, but yeah, it was uh, it was very much a uh, God. You know, it, it was everything else plus God. You know, it wasn't Amen. God wasn't the center, wasn't the center of our lives. And um, right, yeah, that's he that's didn't have that personal relationship, is. right? No, I right, just now, begun to go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish. No, I'd say we just, right. just began to learn what a personal relationship was, you know, with Christ, and then, yeah, it wasn't about uh, you know the good old uh, yeah, don't drink, don't smoke, and don't cuss, and don't chew, and whatever you do, don't go dance or have any other fun. I mean, I was just beginning to graduate from that and realize that it was, you know, that God was a personal God, and uh, you know, I understood the road to heaven and was able to share that with people and lead people to Christ, but. Yeah, to me, it was uh, it was all about me, and God just existed to make my life better. And, Amen. And I, I Which is not the truth, kind of but now you've learned a yeah. lot different. Now you've learned a lot. Oh, Let me that's, thank that's you so much. <laughs> that is a yeah, true sure. statement, I know. But, Rusty, we're going to ask you more detailed questions in just a couple of minutes, uh, a few minutes after Jim sh- uh, David shares, last but not least. And, uh, David, um, you're in the service? Yes, ma'am. I'm in the uh, and, Marine Corps and uh, just hit t- 16 years. Praise God. And we just thank you so much for serving our country. And we have many that are in the service. And I want to applaud all of them because you all are a vital part of protecting us. And uh, and where would we be without our military? So we thank you all. And, David, um, that's sometimes hard because I know I've talked to several and uh, you coming and going is also difficult for the military and the families also. But, David, please share your testimony. We'd love to hear it. Thank you, Charlene. And, and I just want to say that I am very blessed um, to be here and be a part of this. And, and um, I, I, it was a great opportunity to meet Jim and Rusty. We, we've talked a lot before we actually got to meet, and it was a blessing to meet them. But, um my, my story is a little bit different than, than theirs a little bit, but um, um, my dad is a pastor, and uh, so I've been raised in a church my whole life. And, and um, of course, I say that. Um, what I've, the more I've grown lately, I can say that, you know, still being a pastor, I was raised by broken people in a broken world. And, and, um, but um, I was sexually abused. Um, not by my family, but by people close to me at a very young age, by um, a couple of different time point, uh, points in my life, um, by people that were trusted by my family. And, and um, I was introduced to pornography very young. And so, um, shoot, that was a part of my life for um, probably nearly 30 years. And um, it's something that I've always struggled with. And, and, um, um, I, I met my wife in, in college. Um, you, you know, she, she was the most beautiful woman you, you could ever imagine. And uh, um, I met her through a class that um, I was a co-instructor in, and she was actually one of the students there. And um, we started seeing each other, and, and uh, we, we got married uh, actually the week after I graduated. And um you, you know, everything that I thought I was struggling with or that I'd struggled with before, I thought it was no longer part of my life. And, and then, of course, as marriage happened, um, we, my wife and I are both headstrong people, and, and um, 
uh, we, we didn't see eye to eye. And the first, the very first thing that I did, um, I was raised Southern Baptist. She was raised uh, charismatic. And, and I set her down when I asked her to marry me. That, and I told her, you know, this is who God is going to be to us. And I put God in a box. And I told her right off the bat, we're not going to argue um, about this. This is who I believe God is. And this is what I want you to agree God is. And then I put God on a shelf. And I was so afraid to ever have a conversation about God to my wife because it always led to an argument. I avoided them like a plague. And so so anytime we ever had problems in our marriage, God wasn't any, anything that we ran to. We, we were always a part of church. I won't say that I was ever actively involved, and I never had a personal relationship with God. Matter of fact, um, I have tried to beat my head against the wall, but I don't think there was a point in my marriage that my wife ever saw me open the Bible outside of being in church, and that was even still on a very rare occasion. I, I can tell you that I almost never prayed for my wife unless my wife specifically asked me to pray for her right now for something, and, and I and I would. Um, but outside of that, I, I didn't. Um, I, I didn't know what any of that meant. And um, after our marriage started, you know, I was a very selfish individual. I carried a lot of pride, and I I had so much fear over my life that every decision I made, good and bad, um, was all made out of fear. And, you know, I I got to a point that I was uh, um, uh, cheating on my wife. I was very um, verbally abusive um, early in our marriage. I was physically abusive. Um, it and and the sad thing, I, I blamed a lot of that on on my wife, and and I had so much in my closet that I spent so much time looking behind me, trying to make sure everything stayed in my closet that I couldn't see in front of me. I couldn't see um, what was. I couldn't see my wife. I couldn't see her for who God created her to be. And my wife is an amazing woman. She is. She has a very infectious personality. She is easy. Uh, to love and and people are drawn to her. She is the most amazing mother um, you could ever imagine. But um, um, you know, I, I can even remember laying next in in bed next to my wife in February 2015, and and I was wondering in my heart if I was even capable of the love that my wife needed. I, I didn't know if I even had it in me. Um, throughout our marriage, my wife she probably left. I want to say about four times. And um, I was always able to get her to come back under my own trying to convince her that I would be a different person, and, and she did. Um, but I, ultimately, in my marriage, I failed to protect my wife. When crisis started happening in my, our marriage, when I thought something might be happening, I didn't know how to protect her. I was never taught to be a warrior. I was never taught. And, and, and this is nothing bad about my dad. I had a very good dad, but I wasn't taught how to be a warrior. I wasn't taught how to be a man, the, a man to my wife. You know, I wasn't taught. Uh, my dad is a very good man, but I wasn't taught those lessons um, about how to be a husband. And and um, um, and, and like I said, I, I made nearly every decision in our marriage out of fear. Um, I want to say in March, uh, March 3rd, 2015, I got orders to come to Virginia um, from Houston. And my wife told me then that she didn't know how she felt about me, and she didn't know if she wanted to move to Virginia with us. 
And when she told me that, I took that as a personal assault on me. And I was very angry with her, and I treated her very badly. And matter of fact, to the point that I didn't talk to her or I didn't touch her and it, for about three weeks um, because, because I was so angry with what she said. And instead of seeing it as an attack on our marriage, I saw it as a personal attack on me from my wife. And, um, and, and you know, I, I do love my wife. I, I've always... I mean, you know, I've always been envious of her because she is better at than me of every aspect of of, uh, of our lives. But April seventh, which was her birthday, she set me down that that same year, and she told me how she felt, and she said she didn't know if she had it in her anymore for our marriage, which was something different than she has ever said to me before. And I knew right then and there that something in me had to change because. I didn't want to lose my wife, and I started seeking God. Every day I started opening my Bible and reading, and I started fighting for my marriage. And, and I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to pray, and, and I knew I needed to change, and I didn't know how to do that. And um, we ended up uh, selling our house, and, and my wife and kids moved me to Virginia in July. And uh, my wife we were talking about her coming back up to Virginia in December, but my wife and kids flew back in, in August, August 5th. And on September 15th, my wife filed for divorce. And, um, throughout that, I never got a lawyer. I never, I tried never to, to fight with my wife about anything that she wanted personally. If her lawyers asked for something that I thought was unfair, I tried to take out, um, contend with her lawyers, but I never fought with her. But the way I see this is God loved me enough to remove everything in my life that I cared about and bring me to a desert place by myself so that I could learn who God was and what I, how to grow in him as a relationship. Because where God placed me in Virginia, I'm 1,700 miles away from my family, but where he placed me, he surrounded me in an office filled with Christian people. My boss is a deacon at my church. We pray in my office, and I have never been anywhere in the Marine Corps where I had this. Every person in my office is, a, is an elder or a deacon at their church. The church that, that I ended up going to, I was looking for a church that my wife would like, and she grew up in very big churches. I grew up in very small churches. But I found this church, and I said, wow, this is one that Cherish will like. And I went there, and the moment I walked in the door, God surrounded me with everything I didn't know that I needed. And I realized that was exactly where I needed to be. I joined a program called uh, Celebrate Recovery, and that started changing so much in me. And then as I started, I, I, I got put in touch with uh, Rejoice Ministries, sometime around September, October time frame, and I started searching on how to pray, and I started reading my Bible every day. And um, I started learning how to grow in prayer. And, and one of the aspects that, that I started researching was fasting. And, and um, I started fasting in November. And uh, that is one of the things that, that completely changed me. 
because I, I realized through fasting I had to clean out everything that was in my past. I called everybody that I could think of that I've ever offended or or that I was ever involved with and, and asking for forgiveness and cleaning my plate. But November 24th, I was crying out to God, you know, is there going to be a victory in my marriage? Do I even need to stand? Is there any purpose in standing? And as I was praying, I got a text on my phone. And when I got through, I looked at my phone, and all it was was a scripture verse. And the scripture verse was 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty six through 57, which said, Praise be the Lord our God, because the victory is in, in our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brothers, continue to stand. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because your labor in the Lord is not in vain. That is my rhema word. That is my standing scripture. That is, is something that I have carried with me, and I have got it written down on my refrigerator, on my office door, and in my Bible. Um, but God, God has, has spoken. Well, grown me through this process, and and um, He has surrounded me with mentors, and and um, and and the interesting thing is, He has surrounded me with people who, regardless what state of their marriage that they're in. They treat me as if I go home to my wife every day, and they hold me accountable to how I live and how I walk. And and uh, the interesting thing is I believe that my wife has seen the changes through this, and, and we have gone from a place where we couldn't talk to a place where I get to talk to my wife nearly every week and, and sometimes nearly every day. Um, but the interesting thing is I can't call my wife. She calls me. And, and God has opened that door um, to grow us. And, and uh, it, it's, it's been amazing to see that, you know, yes, my, my wife is, is not here, but our relationship is growing. Our communication is growing. Our, our, um, um, what we talk about, the death of a conversation, my wife um, is, is starting – to share more truth with me, and and matter of fact, I am starting to get thank yous from her, and and which is a, a blessing to me, and and God has is, is, is showed me different things in our in our relationship together that, and I hate to say this too, you know, the more God shows you, the more you, you know you just want it to be right now, and and it it, it is more of a struggle for me to stand just because it the hurt is there but I I can't deny anything that God has done in my life. He's opened the door for for ministry and and I now I'm at a church of nearly 3500 3, to 4000 people and I teach I'm in the men's ministry there. I I lead the men's ministry and and matter of fact we are planning the men's ministry for the next year at this church and and this is something I didn't ask for it's something that God has has opened the door um, matter of fact, for months, uh, one of the pastors was asking me to be more involved, and and God has just taken my 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 life and everything that I have done, and He is redeeming that every day. And and I wish I could tell you that that when God told me to stand firm, that I have stood firm. But I feel like sometimes I'm I'm flapping in the wind, and and sometimes it's rolled up in a ball on the floor, and and sometimes it's it's begging God just to help me be able to stand up one more day. Um, 
but it, it is God has surrounded me with everything that I needed and it has been a, a blessing in my life and, and and I can tell you with or without my wife I never want to lose what I have now um, so thank you for letting me share Dave you you are you I just I can imagine you getting that text and God speaking to you. I can just imagine now you're wait you're um, waiting for your wife to call you. I can just imagine all those different things. But for God to take you from where you were and now to be head of a men's ministry and all that God has taught you, wow! God is uh, really it's amazing. I love hearing transformations. And you know what? Every one of us, and your standards, the ones that are listening, have you been transformed? Or are you got the wall up or a door shut that you won't allow the Lord to go that deep into your heart, soul, and body, in your mind? I mean, it is a transformation. It is where you were one way, and now God is going to create you to be the image of God, and he wants to use you, and, and number one, in your life personally, in your as a hus- husband, as a father, as a son with your children, as a son is with your mom and dad and cousins but I mean then it goes into the church area and then number three it goes to your work area but we have to put Christ first and that is where we surrender and that's a word that I use a lot it's surrendering it's letting go and letting God come in and say Lord change me to be the husband and the, the father or mother and wife, husband, wife, father, mother, and son and daughter that I need to be. And may I be the Christ-like, number one, I have to be the Christian that I have a relationship with you that is the way it is supposed to be. And you know what? We all have relationship with him, but some are very, uh, very um, shallow. And then there are others that are very deep and and growing in the Lord, and that's what we're talking about. And the fasting is where I I talk about it frequently, and we do fasting many times of many months of the year um, for for holidays because that breaks the strongholds. And that is where I was transformed and changed and thinking I was a good Christian and Bob had all the problems and I had none other than I filed for divorce. And I listened to a pastor and counselor that um, really believed that I had lived long enough in a life that was not appropriate like you talked about. So anyway, I became your wife in a a way, Uh, just drew the line in the sand. But I, I just appreciate all three of you. You all have three different types of stories, um, but we now can all say we all have a different story, and that is why we all have a testimony to share with other people and that God can turn all of what we've had go through that it is going to be able to help other men and women, husbands, wives, and um and build a relationship with even have a healthy relationship with a mother and father and 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 what you did um 
is I can relate because even Bob did that when he had his transformation. Um, he even said he remembers taking money out of the offering one time when he was a child. The Lord brought it to his memory, and he ended up sending a uh, $100, multi-hundredfold is what he wanted to do, and send it to the church anonymously and writing a letter that uh, that's what happened. So anyway, we're thrilled to have your testimonies and now this next time we're going to now start asking some questions and and have a group discussion of where where might help the other standers on this and uh, one is and this is going to be like each one of you will answer a, a short um, answer and then we'll keep on going but um, I think you all have answered my first question. Have you grown in the Lord since your stand began? And I think all three of you are going to answer what? And how. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we'll skip that question because everybody in that dear stander on there listening, I'm asking you these questions also. Have you grown? Have you learned? Have you built? Have you started um, working with your relationship with Jesus Christ? Is he speaking to you? You know, and are you reading his word daily? Are you putting on the armor of God? Are you uh, putting it on your children and your family members? Um, That is a must. Um, Are you more like Christ? Let me ask the next question. Are you more like Christ since this started, or you always been strong, but none of you really were strong believers um, at the time of all of this. You never had that deep personal relationship, even though you went to church. Um, you didn't have that personal relationship. How Dave even commented so um, perfectly is that he didn't even know how to pray for his wife, or did not pray for his wife, and um, and. Now, I think all three of you would say that you possibly are praying without ceasing for your wife and your children and your circumstances and many others. Are you not? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, I've got a list of scriptures that I pray, and I've got a numbered 1 through 31 to the days of the month that I pray over my wife every single day. And if I miss a day, I pray two scriptures the next day or three the next day or catch up, but... uh, Yes, and they're praying quite a bit more. And I'd like to say that if I'm not talking to somebody, I'm talking to God. Amen. That's a good way of putting it. You know, we can have a conversation with the uh, Lord all the time in directing our steps. Um, Jim, uh, Dave, do you want to comment about that? Yes. Um, I, I actually... It, 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 Again, back to transparency, it's probably one of the largest things that I struggle with. Um, Much like Dave, he hit on a couple of things that I'll I'll reiterate. And one was um, I I was definitely not walking with the Lord. I was raising my family in the world. And and when I did finally surrender in that hotel room to him, prayer obviously became something that was at a different level for me and understood that that, you know, I thought I was doing all I could do. Now, here I am going, okay, God, if you're in the miracle business, I need a miracle. So I was in negotiation mode. And then I quickly realized that that's not what this relationship is about. 
you know, he needed to hear from me. And the only way that I, I could hear from him is to be still and be quiet. And then part of that process for me, Charlene, was journaling um, on a regular daily basis. I, I still to this day, I started journaling in that hotel room almost six years ago now, and I have not stopped since then. So you, you talk about praying without ceasing. That's definitely a big part of, of my life um, in terms of my wife and and uh, the future of our family and the restoration process. And, uh, you know, and, and that prayer also extends to, you know, almost everybody that I come in contact with. You know, it doesn't take very long to find somebody who's struggling in a marriage. And, uh, you know, I deal with a lot of kids at my church, and, and, and my prayers are for them as well. You know, children today are so dramatically affected by, being, by what they're being dragged through. Um, you know, they, they require intervention as well. You know, we talk about that with the uh, children are the victims, but think about it. If we've got 50% divorce, that means this next generation is only 50%, and maybe 25% of them are going to have a chance of marrying uh, somebody that had a healthy mother-dad relationship where they even saw a mother and dad together living and working out their trials and tribulations. But there's a majority, there's a lot um, for the last 25, 30 years that that we've been in ministry and, and going through our own crisis that you're seeing that we've got a whole generation now that that many of them were not churchgoers, have not been involved, and uh, really did not have a mom and dad to get together to see what a normal, healthy marriage is like. So that is something that we have to understand, and it's frightening to think about that. And that is where all of you standers getting involved in your church and getting involved in the youth or anything, you can hug and you can love them and and uh, and be a helper and uh, understand where they're at and uh, and not sit, just sit there by yourself. I, I, I know you're hurting, but God can take that pain away um, and we can, God can do that. And but we need to also want to serve the Lord and be able to help Him. And if we wait for our spouses to come home, we may wait too long where God wants to use us now. And and that's mm-hmm. the thing. So, but you need to ask God. God will speak to you and direct you and open doors. But also, you don't want to um, abandon your children either. And if you are working hard and you don't have time with your children. You want to get your children involved in ministry and youth groups and church events and also sports, you know. So, you know, just pray about what God wants to do. I think the most important thing that that I would say with Dave is um, prayer is is ultimate in, in a relationship with the Lord and asking him what you want to do and having him open the doors um, than us doing what we want to do. Uh, are we, or we're still directing our life. It's, we're being very selfish and we're telling God, bless what I'm going to do because otherwise I, I'm, I'm doing what I want to do and not asking what God wants us to do. So that's a point I wanted to bring up also. But uh, anybody well, let, else want to <laughs> Well, as long as you're talking about prayer, let let me uh, jump in there real quick. And uh, I want to say that prayer is a a huge part of my life. And and 
I feel like if I don't get up and pray the armor of God over me and my family, I, I feel like I have missed out. Um, even even on mornings where I have to get up extremely early for work, I, I do my best um, to have my prayer right in the morning before I leave. And, and um, as I told you before, I don't know that my wife and my children ever saw me open the Bible before this happened. Um, me opening and reading my Bible now, as little as I see my kids, which I get to see them about 60 days out of the year, it has made such an impression. And I have small kids. I have um, a 6, a 7, a 10, and a 12-year-old. And my my son is mm. 10. He just turned 10 a month ago uh, or a couple wow. months ago. And him seeing me read my Bible in the, in the small amount of times that he gets to see me has made such an impression upon him that this last school year he has taken his Bible to school every day on his own initiative, and he has read 80 chapters in Psalms. You know, and to me that is a blessing. I, I found out about that, you know, I, after he'd read like 75 of them. Um, and the, the other interesting thing is I, I know you mentioned that Bob asked you to stop praying for him. My wife has is, is told me that, you know, she knows now that I pray for her, and it's the, one of the things that gives her comfort is knowing that I'm praying for her. Um, so, you, you know, the prayer has is is affecting not just me, but it's affecting my family. Um, so, it, and you know, you know, even the Bible make makes the point that uh, your prayers are hindered because you don't honor honor your wife. Uh, when God changed me, and I started honoring my wife for the first time in my life. I see God answering prayers, and and um, matter of fact, that, Amen. That, that's that's the one thing that you, I, I don't want to walk away from a prayer life because I, I see what God's doing. I can't deny what He's doing. And I, matter of fact, Mark Batterson, he's the the pastor of uh, um, uh, the National Community Church in Washington D.C. He he made the point one time that when God gives us a miracle, it is our responsibility to believe God for a bigger miracle. Um, that that is. That's what God's entrusting to us for this miracle. So we need to to pray and believe in the bigger ones. And so as long as God is is answering the prayers, you, you know I cannot deny that He's not going to do what He's already told me He's going to do. So, Amen. And prayer is the key. Um, I mean, if it, like Dave, you said you took a study, I believe that, and, and read about prayer. And that is exactly what I did over 25 years ago. I did not know how to pray for Bob. I did not know how to, I didn't know the word well enough uh, topically about prayer and spiritual warfare. And that is why um, I asked, um, we have a full armor of God figurine that we sell at our on our bookstore only because I keep saying, are you putting on the armor of God? And I've, I told Dave and every military person uh, I ever have spoken to is that you have to use your guns. You have to you have weapons that the military must use or they are going to be killed and and shot down and and wounded and we have to understand we must put on that full armor of God so we can not get wounded or shot down or you know just we're always having uh, fiery darts coming at us, but if we don't put on the armor of God and the hedge of protection and the blood of Jesus and the wall of fire, it's all in the Bible. It's just we have to know to do it, and that's why we have it under our pr- uh, 
prayers and why we even um, use scriptures to pray and teach you that God's word will not return void. But the, there is power in prayer. God does speak and he does answer prayer. And I could say, and I, I don't think I would... I don't think I will offend anyone, but I would say if you haven't had answers of anything, no answer to prayer at all about anything, um, you need to, may I recommend that you um, make sure you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and make sure you've you've cried out. But um, it says in Jeremiah 33, 3, let me use that scripture real quick, and then we'll get on to one of the next questions. But I don't want to. I want every one of you to know that when you pray, the Lord is hearing you. And I know some of you are thinking you're hitting the wall right now or not having answers to prayer. Yes, we're going to go through seasons, but God does speak and God does answer our prayers. Um, Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. You pray that and you pray other scriptures uh, about crying out to him as David repented in Psalm 51 and I dare say you will and, and even fast a meal fast a lunch, breakfast, lunch, or dinner, just to say, Lord, I need to hear you. I need you to speak to me when I read the word and and see if he does not. If he doesn't, email us or uh, text us or uh, Facebook us, and, and we will give you um, a CD. You know, God does speak, or an MP3, God does speak because he does speak to his children. He's our Heavenly Father. So anyway, I just had to get on that uh, to make sure everybody knows that God does speak and does answer prayer. Um, and now, on can I, am I, everybody all set on that? Can I go on to the next question? I was, I was going to jump in and ask a question that I wanted to see if each of you would answer. Um, where is your relationship with your spouse now? And that does your wife know that you are praying for restoration? Does your wife know that you're open to um, restoring the marriage? Um, and are they receptive of that? Or is it something that you haven't shared with them yet? So can each of you kind of address that? Because I know that's a question we get commonly from people that say, how do I tell my spouse that, that I forgive them and that regardless of what's happened, we can um, work on our marriage together? Or how do I go about doing that? So can you address that if you've done that with your wife? Well, yeah, I can address that. Just tell them. Tell them. Tell them you're standing for your marriage. Tell them that, uh, yeah, that you believe marriage is permanent and that you believe marriage is sacred. And you don't have to be eloquent with that uh you, know, you just do you tell them and uh, then then you live it i mean that's uh you tell them every chance you get any time that god opens that door you tell them and um yeah so the answer is, the first part of your question Lori, is yes my uh, my spouse does know that i am standing and has known uh she was actually aware of that before she separated during that year that uh yeah that we were in the house together great um Jim. My situation, if I could, yeah. Um, my situation is a little different in terms of being able to tell my wife anything. She, in September of last year, um, had asked me to stop communicating completely. 
and I know that there are probably quite a few standards who are experiencing the same thing with zero, absolutely zero communication, um, even yeah. with with children. Um, however, to answer the question, yes, my wife knows um, that I'm standing for our marriage and that there is no other covenant replacement in my wife, in my life that it's till death do us part and that's the way that I choose to live my life. You know, I think that the challenge with that is we can only run from God, you know, in our own minds and I think that uh, our our prodigals do that. You know, that's Bob, oh. you know, wrote that was writing in his book that, you know, he can't out you can't outrun God. You can't run out from underneath God. You know, you can run from people, but <laughs> ultimately ultimately there's a wall, I hope, that uh and my hope is is not really in, in my wife. My hope is in a, an authentic encounter with Christ and that's and I know it's possible because it's happened to me and and if our husbands and our wives don't know that, that we are standing for our marriages till death, then I think we're we're doing an, inju- an in, you know a disservice to our our family, our children, um, to the people that are watching us as standers. Um, you know, it's, we can't we can't waver on this. It's something that we have to you know standing firm. You know, the, the men's the men's devotionals. We have to stand firm on this. And uh, so, but but how do you communicate that when there's no communication? Um, I have I'm in touch with my in-laws, and and before my in-laws passed away, I thought it was important that I ask for their daughter's hand in marriage. We're we're divorced in the eyes of the world, and I just recently did that. So I think that she knows. <laughs> you know, that's so. great. Amen. That is awesome. Yeah, One well, way I- or another. That's what we need to pray that we get that they know we're what you're doing, and they may say, "I am never, 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 never coming home." I heard it, and Bob said it a million times in a million different ways. But um, but I said, "Well, then I'll be there in, in Morocco and chair at eighty then, because you know you keep telling me you're never coming home, but God keeps telling me you are coming home." And I'm exactly. just you know God has spoken, and and that made him matter. And he goes, well, God can't make me come home. And I, and you know, we know the end of that story if you've been around reading our daily devotionals at all. But God brought him home suddenly, and I did not get my wedding dress on me when I got remarried. But you know, uh, I was submissive to the Holy Spirit, not wanting my way. But I said, Lord, when you bring him home, I will, I will stop and be ready. And we need to be ready. You know, uh, there was one lady that wrote in years and years ago and said, um, she said she always spoke in her house, "Hi, I'm I'm home," uh, to her as a, to this husband that's not there in faith. And everybody might think that was crazy, but she expected God to do what he promised at any time. And that is walking Uh, in faith. And, and, you know, that is going a, a really high level, but we need to get off the ground and walk in faith, believing and expecting 
expecting, like Hebrews 11.1 1 says. You know what? Noah built that ark, and he had no rain to see there was going to be a flood. And that's where I just say, I have to repent so many times and say, Lord, I'm not as as great as these men. I'm not even close. I'm not even, you know, building an ark, you know, sometimes. And and I think we all have to examine our hearts and our lives week by week, month by month, year by year, is that do we need to go in one of the standards just wrote recently, I become fanatical believing for a healing. And she's got no other choice but the word fanatical to her prayer partners that we are, I thought was an awesome word because we need to become fanatical in believing for marriage restoration. Amen. I, I let my wife know I let my wife know very early in the stand and very early on that um I wasn't going anywhere. Um matter of fact, uh while we were sitting when she asked me to come to her lawyer's office to sign paperwork while we were sitting in her office, in, in her lawyer's office, I kissed my wife and told her I wasn't going anywhere. And um, I remind her from time to time that uh, that I am fighting for her heart, and I will all of my life. And and uh, matter of fact, I, I live in an RV, and um, and I, I've let her know multiple times that it is the exact way that she left it. All of her drawers are empty. Her closet is empty. And and that doesn't leave much space in an RV to live, but um, it's hers, yeah. and that's the way I see it. <laughs> and uh, um, uh. but I mean, matter of fact, I stopped locking the doors, and and I let her know that, and and uh, um, I bought her a ring that I have because because you know, it, it's like you say, I I don't know when that suddenly is going to happen, and and uh, um. As much as you try to be ready, there, there's a piece of me that that realizes I may never be prepared for that suddenly to happen. But um, I, I was blessed. Um, I went down to pick up my kids. Um, I, I got them on just this weekend, and and I say that I did 3,200 miles in three days. Um, but God opened the door for um, wow. me to talk with her mom. And I I got to apologize to her mom for the, for the son that I was to her. Um, I apologized to her for the way that I treated my wife, and I let let her mom know that I was going to prove my love to cherish and to her by standing and waiting for my wife all of my life and um, and and fighting faithfully for her heart. Uh, I. I that that would to me was an open door that that I've been praying for and and God opened it this weekend so um Dave, so that my wife is knows. huge yes and that is huge the way you did it and I think that is what I had to go and repent to my in-laws uh, immediately once God spoke to me um, in the church service that Sunday and go and tell them that I had made a, 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 a terrible mistake by listening to people and divorcing my husband when I had not given up on him after for 19 years, and then I did. And uh, they were very mad at me at that time when I went down there. I mean, I didn't... I didn't have them gushing over me. Oh, you're, you know, it's all right or anything. But um, I, I repented and I told them I'm sorry and I guaranteed them. And we were neighbors, so we lived close by. And I said, uh, I can guarantee you, you will not see a man walking in and out of the house 
any time, 24 hours a day, and you can look down at my house, and uh, you can come get your grandkids at any time. The door is open for you, and I gave Bob a key. Um, so and when he handed all the everything back, he handed back his key. I gave him a key, and I said, "Our home is always open to you. It's our home, and it's not my home." And uh, and we have to pray how we can do those things. And 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 you did awesome this weekend. Um, my next question I'm going to go since we've done this is, what is your biggest struggle that you each one have had? I think um, we all have struggles, and I know the standards could uh, tell Lori on Facebook easily, quickly, what their biggest struggle is. But what do you think is your biggest struggle, each one of you? I, I, I can say um, j- just by looking at some of the, the questions that you had on list, loving my wife is not a struggle for me. And I can say that for the first time in my life. I, I understand what love is. And, and for the first time in my life, I see her for who she is and who God created her to be and who she is in our family. And loving her is not my struggle. My struggle is, is getting up every day. It, it is, it's hard being without her. It is it's hard um, not having – matter of fact, <laughs> I pulled the RV down uh, about two hours down to the bay, and I'm here with my children now. This is the first time I have moved this RV without her. This, this is a – and in two years I've been living in it. This is a hard thing for me, and it brings back all these memories of, of everything that we've done in this RV together, and, and um, um, it, it is – it is hard waiting, you, you know, um, and I struggle with that because, you, you know, and, and that, that has begun, began to be my prayer now every day is, God, help me to stand one more day. Just give me one more day that I can stand, you know, and, and that, that is my, my struggle is, is seeing all the things that I see, the beauty of my wife and where God created something that, that Cherish would enjoy and not having her here to be a part of it. It's that's that's my struggle, and it's not loving her. I, I mean, loving her is so easy, and she is a. Every time I see my wife, when she smiles, it it melts everything in me, and just to hear her laugh and. Sorry, I love my wife. <laughs> that's awesome. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Jim, go ahead. Dave, I want a good laugh. Dave, did you one. actually just apo- did Dave just actually apologize for loving his wife? <laughs> <laughs> if he didn't love his wife, that's did. another conference call. <laughs> yeah. well, I think he didn't apologize for being so mushy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I guess uh, my struggle, um, my life verse is Isaiah 55, and if you don't mind, I'm just going to read that. It's uh, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For the hev- for as high as the heavens are than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Unfortunately, my thoughts, because I lived in the world for so long, tend to go back into the world on occasion. You know, more of that transparency coming here. Um, you know, and I tend to look at the transgressions of my wife, and uh, and, uh, and I'm affected by that. Most especially, I think, through our children, and I and I think that uh, 
you know, even though they're grown adults, our daughter's 28 and our son is soon to be 25, um, I think it's difficult for them to see their mom struggling the way that she has, um, you know, with the, the choices that she's made. And so I struggle um, staying focused on my life verse that God's ways are, are higher than mine and his thoughts for my family for my wife and my marriage are higher than the heavens. I mean, think that through. And and so I, you know, I do struggle being a man of this world, um, thinking that he is a great God and he is larger than the picture that we see. Charlene, you make reference all the time to what's happening on the other side of the mountain. And if we focus on what's happening on the other side of the mountain, like literally looking at what's happening on the other side of the mountain, we, we tend to forget that God sometimes, like Dave said earlier, removes obstacles in his relationship with us for a period of time so that we can remain focused on that relationship with him. And, I, and I'm grateful at the same time that my struggle you know, really makes me lean into him so much deeper than I ever imagined it would um, back when I denied him, back when I didn't have him as the focus in my life and, and in my relationship with my family. He was not the center of my house, but in all of this, he has become the center of my life. And so I just have to, you know, I struggle with continuing to throw that trust back into his, you know, at the foot of the cross, basically. I, I, I struggle a lot of the time continuing to trust and to just deliver my surrender to the foot of, of Jesus, you know. And I guess I think that's a, that's a very human thing, uh, but at the same time, I understand he has a purpose in all that because his ways are, are definitely higher. I look at what he's done right. in, in my life, you know, over the last five years. I would not have changed a thing. Everything that's gone on in my life over the last five, almost six years now, I would not change a thing. It's been so beautiful. Amen. Painful. Right. Painful, 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 painful. Yeah. But boy, uh, amazing what he's done and what he continues to do. I'll share this with y'all. Uh, I shared this with Charlene earlier. I've been in this house since uh, I, I gave up the old house and moved into this house about two and a half years ago have only received one piece of mail in that whole period way early on, like the first three months I was here with my wife's name on it. Today I was struggling with praying for this group call, and I got a piece of mail today with my wife's name on it. <laughs> so I look at that as like, yeah, I, don't know if y'all believe, yeah, I don't know if y'all believe in signs, but God in my life is very clear, very clear, Yeah, very, very clear. He does speak. Uh, that's, That's a covenant awesome. transport size, yeah, size uh, God God thing right there. So, yeah, well, this is Rusty, and, um, you yeah, know, mine, I guess, uh, I've struggled with loneliness. I've struggled with depression. I've struggled with anger, and, yeah, because I, uh, yeah, I do have a temperament, and, yeah, I've struggled with all those things. And, yeah, but most recently, and, 
Yeah, I don't want anybody on this call to put us, you know, just because we we were we were asked to participate in this call and because we write devotionals. I don't want anybody to put any of us on a pedestal, uh, me especially. And but just uh, you know, being very transparent and sharing that most recently my struggle is that I fell headfirst into the friend trap. And I shared this with David and Jim when we got together for dinner. And it was, um, yeah, it started out, uh, you know, offering a number to a counselor, then an invitation to church that was accepted. It was always in a group. There was always more than one person there. And, uh, you know, but it basically led to, uh, you know, to, to creating some feelings there that should not have been created. And, you know, I just praise God that I didn't fall any further uh, than I did, and and uh, yeah, from an emotional standpoint on this, but um, yeah, it was just uh, it was very eye opening. It was uh, you know like a cold, wet, frozen towel upside my head. Yeah, when I said this individual, uh, yeah, it, it was after baptism. I said no, that individual is just a friend, and so I learned from that. Um, yeah, and there's going to be a there's going to be a devotional coming out about this here, you know, before too long that uh, yeah, that basically speaks to this whole subject. But I learned that there really is no uh, there is no safe and no uh, and, and I'll just say it there's no God honoring way to spend time you know with another individual of the opposite sex that is not your covenant spouse and right. you know it. And it inevitably leads to to something that is less than than God honoring and and honoring uh, your marriage vows and honoring your stand. And so, yeah, I've learned quite a bit from that, and also quite a bit of you know that uh, you know, that these things make a difference. That it, you know, in in, in you know, not to get ahead of myself, but the one thing that I would say to standers, one of the keys to standing is going all in. And even so much as, you know, what works for me is structure, and that's praying on the armor every morning, praying a scripture, you know, one or two scriptures over my wife every day, uh, reminding myself that I am to flee temptation and, you know, and avoid even the presence of evil and to be blameless upon the Lord. I have these as task items uh, in, my, uh, yeah, in my iPhone, for that matter. But to, to just be very intentional about your stand and be very focused about that stand. And, yeah, one of the things that I did, and, you know, I would really suggest that you spend a lot of time in prayer over this and, and seek counsel on this, but I actually committed a second vow to God that I would keep my original vows, even if it meant living alone the rest of my life, I would keep my original wedding vows to my spouse until death do us part as a testimony to Christ. And, yeah, that's a, yeah, scripture is very clear that it's better to not make a vow before God than to make a vow and break it. But, um, yeah, it's just, it, it's, um, yeah, and you, you take your eye off of it. I see there was a, uh, Testimony and uh, you have the lunchtime testimonies today that was written by a gentleman in North Carolina. That wasn't me, by the way, but it was a you know, someone else <laughs> in North Carolina of yeah you know, uh, of, of of being all in, and then yeah, you know, then then Satan comes along and says, no, you're yeah you know, yeah you're just living in denial and cashing it all in, and and then going on his own path, and only to realize that that just created more hurt, guilt, and conviction. 
and overcame me. I'm looking at it right now. It's the words he used here. But uh, anyway, it's uh, you know you you, you got to be all in and you got to be focused and you got to be in the scripture. You got to be in prayer. You have got to commit yourself to this life of permanence in your marriage. Say and then do not let your guard down for a minute. That's well, great. Dave, I, have, I, I mean, just one com- oh, I was just going to make one comment back to what Jim just spoke about a minute ago about um, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, when he was talking about that verse, um, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And going along with what Rusty said is the mental image that comes to my mind immediately is of a corn maze. And some of you are in other countries, and over here in America, we have these things called corn mazes, and it's literally a maze that somebody has made in a field. And when you're in the midst of the maze, you're trying to find your way out. And it seems like you're never going to get to the end of it. And all you can see is what's happening right in front of you. Well, there's a dead end right in front of me. And then you turn to the right and there's a dead end. But if you were in a plane or in a helicopter above that maze, you could see the twists and the turns and how it leads you to the exit. And that's the view that God has of your life and your marriage and your relationship. And he knows what's coming. And none of this has caught him by surprise. And what happens tomorrow will not catch him by surprise. And he sees the whole plan. And sometimes we say, well, I would love to know, is it going to happen in the next two years? Or what's going to happen tomorrow? But if you all, and from what you've said, like if you could have seen three years down the road, back when you first got married, you never would have thought that you would have gone through what you're going through. But each of you have said how the Lord has used it to draw you closer to him, to make you into the husband and to the man of Christ that you should be. And so I would just say to piggyback on that, if you all are going through feeling like all I'm seeing in front of me are dead ends. Like somebody commented on Facebook a minute ago, there's no communication. And, um, you know, some of the men on the call struggle with that. But God can see the whole picture, and he has the whole picture. And so our struggle is trying to just put it in his hands and say, Lord, you know what's coming and you know what's happening. So you just take care of it, and I will just continue to walk the way you tell me to walk. And when he tells you, to send your spouse a card or to pick up the phone and say happy birthday or he tells you to serve in a ministry because I want to use you right now, then you do that and obey that. And you look and just realize his ways are higher than our ways. So I just think that's Amen. awesome that you guys are have learned that. And, and Lori, Rusty, thank you I for need... your oh sorry. No, go ahead, Jim. Lori, I I love your analogy about the corn maze. That it really speaks greatly in terms of how God sees our path, you know. Um, I do, can I just comment to to that uh, Facebook um, writing about no communication? Yes. There is communication. Even if you're not directly communicating with your spouse, your stand speaks volumes to the people that are around you. Amen. And that that ripple effect. It definitely is succinct to where your spouse is going to feel it. They're going to hear it. They're going to see. You know, God can allow your spouse to feel that ripple effect, even if not one person. If there's no children involved, 
There's no direct communication with spouse's family. There's communication. God is the one that speaks to our hearts. And so right. that's that's that takes a while to get to that reality, but you know, for me it's no doubt there's no doubt there's communication. I have a friend in Florida who is, has, has no there there are no children in his marital relationship and I guarantee you that his wife knows exactly where his stand is without any communication. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, every time I'm together with that man, he just buttresses the, the notion that God is the one that speaks. So, yes. Amen. great, phenomenal. That's true. Yeah. And, and I was said, Amen. You know, I, I know um, I'm... I, I, go ahead, Charlie. <laughs> no, let Jim finish. I know... Oh, David here. Um, I, I know oh, that... Okay, um, David. Yep, sorry. Just to echo on what Jim said, you know, I know I get to talk to my wife, or or, or she calls me, um, not necessarily that I get to call her, but, you know, I know that she sees what's going on and, and that, that, that she feels it. You know, I, granted, I write her letters, but and, and I know it's not just in my life. I know it's happened in Rusty's life and in, and in Jim's life. Just by your stand, God has brought other people into our lives, and, and it's amazing how God does that, and and it affects everyone around us. I mean, my wife and I were sitting one day in a school where we should have never been because the teacher wasn't there, and she'd canceled every appointment but my wife's, and somehow my wife didn't get that message, and she ended up having to go back to work, (laughs) and I sat there waiting for, for another teacher to come and meet with us, and there's this dad sitting right beside me who was there for the exact same teacher who did not get the message that the teacher was not there. And he looked over at me and he asked, he goes, can I talk to you for a moment? And he started telling me about his wife leaving him. And he goes, I have no idea why in the world I'm even telling you any of this. And this man has been a part of my life since last year, so over a year now. And we we have encouraged each other and prayed with each other. And, and my wife knows this because my son is in his, class, in his son's class, you know, and so... Um, so God can open, orchestrate those doors. Absolutely. Yes, he can. Regarding Rusty's comment, I would just like to go back to that to say to everybody, um, I know that the enemy is out there to shoot fiery darts and to tempt you. He is uh, Satan is the father of all lies and deception. And he deceived Rusty. And and he and Rusty did not remember um, Bob and Charlene screaming at them, saying, "Don't have any relationships with the opposite sex, uh, because it will turn into a friendship, and then down the road it goes into deeper waters." And it's I'm I'm joking when I say Rusty didn't remember because Satan was trying to blind him, as we talk with the prodigals blinded. Um, the devil is out to ruin our stands and ruin our, our plans. It's God's plans and purposes for our lives and restoration of our marriages. And we've got to understand that we need to have accountability, prayer partners or somebody, and be honest with them. When we even start to do it, or we need, to, if we're accountability, we need to ask each one of these people um, 
is if how are you really doing? Are you really doing all right? Or if you're being tempted, beware and flee from the enemy, as someone said tonight. But I just want to warn you and think about it, pray about it. But do you have an ungodly, unhealthy relationship with someone else right now? And if you do, um, really write to us or flee from the enemy because it's not gonna, it's not God's. Uh, perfect person. It really isn't. It's a temptation uh, to destroy uh, your marriage restoration. Okay. Yeah, Charlene, to your yes. point, it wasn't that Rusty didn't remember. Rusty thought that he could justify it uh, and <laughs> rationalize, <laughs> rationalize it all the way. So I, was, I was in a sea of rationalization, and I just thank God for okay. accountability thank you, and, brothers, <laughs> and, bro- and brothers that say, I'm in shock. Yeah, why are you walking so close to the edge of the cliff? That, right, Jim? <laughs> that, that's not exactly what I said, Rusty, but it's close. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I heard. <laughs> and Rusty, that's a great point um, for all of you that are praying for restoration, whether you are just in the very beginning stages of it or you're, you've been standing for years or you're divorced, you need to have friends of the same sex that will speak truth to you. And you need friends that will say to you on those hard days, hey, what are you doing? Like, you're doing it wrong. And that will step on your toes because they're not trying, you know, when when Jim said that to Rusty, he's not trying to crush Rusty's feelings and to hurt Rusty, but trying to say, hey, take a look at what you're doing, and you need friends that will do that. So find somebody that will do that. And if you don't have a mentor or someone that will do that, find someone in your church, an older man or an older woman, same sex, that will that will do that and say to them, listen, I need an accountability person. I need somebody that will just pray for me and call me out on things when you see it needs to happen, and find a person that will do that in your life. Lori, can I just say that I'm so excited about this potential of a uh, a new app for a mobile phone that allows us to, you know, be in contact with yeah. same-sex accountability here, here. people. Uh, you know, it took uh, Rejoice Marriage Ministries to put Rusty and I together in the same room uh, when y'all came yeah. up to North Carolina for, for us to reach out to each other. And then, uh, you know, Dave got... Uh, part of that loop as well, and it's a it's a difficult thing. Obviously, standing is uh, it can be so isolating, and you can feel so alone. But to know right. that there's somebody struggling the same way, and to be in communication with that person is so critically important. I think. So yeah. Yes. All the, um, all let the me way ask to Canada. two questions. Yes, around the world. Let me ask um, two questions that have come in on Facebook. Um, do you struggle with family and friends telling you to let go and to move on? <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I have uh, anybody not a member of that club? <laughs> yeah. If I could just, I'll start, if you don't mind. I've got a, I have an older sister who's treated me like I'm her own child for my whole life. I'm 55 years old, and she's still... Uh, you know, sees me as my second mom for some reason, but and God love her. She she's a pronounced atheist. Um, does not have. We grew up in the same house, you know, Catholic the whole nine yards. But somewhere along the line, she 
completely stepped away from an understanding of God. And so, as you can imagine, she's very much in the world, and every, not every time, um, but a lot of the time she'll, you know, kind of make indications that she wishes I would change my mind about what I'm doing. <laughs> but it's out of love, because these people that care and love for us in such a dear way, um, they don't have an understanding for God's perfect plan for marriage. Yeah. And I think that, that we have to, as standers, um, understand that the world isn't going to really have a, a, you know, a respect for what it is that we do. However, that doesn't mean that we need to isolate ourselves from our family. I think, again, our stand speaks very loudly. I mean, now it's been almost six years for me, so my sister it continues to watch. She continues to understand that I'm not, this isn't something I'm going to give up, you know, and so... It's an amazing testimony of my faith in God uh, for her. And so it's, it can be an amazing thing. But, yeah, you, you, you do struggle with that. I guess my favorite one is when my family members come home from their church and, yeah, they've been given a, uh, a message on one of the um, more popular views of divorce and remarriage. And, yeah, they come up to me and say, Rusty, you got it all wrong. And I'm like, um Okay, what part of what God is telling me do you feel like I have all wrong? I mean, that's a yeah. What we're doing is not popular, you know, in the mainstream church. It's not, you know, that's a you know, people want what they want, and the flesh is willing to justify it any way they can. And yeah, people will take scripture, even scripture out of context, to justify what they want and two very prominent churches in the area that I live in are teaching that there's not only two clauses that you can get divorced and remarried, but they each have made up their own third to go along with it. So just, it's mind blowing. Yeah. How much, uh, non-scriptural misinformation is even being conveyed through the church, through the local church. But yeah, nobody can take away from me what, it means to me and what God has said to me specifically. And yeah, in September 21st, 2012, when I took that second vow, you know, what has just absolutely blown my mind is God knew there would come a time when my flesh might fail me. Yeah. When my flesh and even my heart might fail me. And I needed something much bigger than both of those albeit a vow that I had taken to him and a scripture that said that I needed to keep that. But he knew that I needed something much bigger than both of those to be able to maintain the stand. Mm, yeah. I, I am, um, I'm very blessed. And, uh, and the fact that God knew exactly what I needed because I have always been a very weak individual and it's been all my life, it's been very hard for me to do the right thing. And um, I, I've got a very close family. I got four brothers and sisters, and and uh, um, I am encouraged by all of them. And and uh, matter of fact, on days that I felt like I was flailing, my dad has chastised me and claim and to claim scripture and to stand in who I know God created me to be. And um, so that matter of fact, it kind of caught me off guard that my dad was chastising me so much, you know, and. Uh, but it was what I needed. And my mom even recently told me that the more that she prays for my wife, the more that God has changed her heart. Um, oh, and wow. my oldest 
my oldest sister, she has a son that's a prodigal. And through this journey, she and I have been able to encourage each other um, based on what I'm going through and what she's going through with, with her son, you know. And, uh, um, and then, of course, my oldest brother and my youngest sister, and I mean, they, they randomly send me texts and, and call me just to, to encourage me and send me scriptures and shoot my... <laughs> I got nieces and nephews that even text me encouragement, so um, I, I'm blessed in having a family that does that, and um, and and I have some extended friends that that continually encourage me, and and I I need it, I, and I I hate to say that, but it, you, you know it's this has been one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, and, and uh, um, but God gives me what I need exactly when I need it, and and it, it has been a mm-hmm. blessing. Um, granted, granted uh, sometimes when when I'm at my worst, um, I, I'm amazed at how many texts I get from people randomly, and and it seems like uh, it doesn't break through the shield until the morning, you know. And then then I start to realize what God has been doing all night, you know. And so um, mm-hmm. I'm grateful for that. You know, uh, Dave, you were in the military, and think about it this way, and every person, also every standard, is that God has spoken to us, and he has given us many scriptures and and different ways of different signs, dreams, visions, whatever you've all had. Um, But God's given us an assignment. Really, when God gives you an assignment to do something, it's really... Uh, I I don't want to tell the creator of the heavens and the earth, no, I don't want to do it. And uh, I know there's many people in the Bible that debated God about they were not qualified or anything, but I believe that we all have an assignment and that once God speaks, you know, that's it. And I don't want to stand before God and say, I couldn't do it. And and there are some that, that have gone on a detour road, but I see them writing back, as you have also, that I was the standard, and now I've come back, and my husband's come home, and my wife's come home, even when I gave up for a detour time. And so God doesn't, you know, he's still restoring marriages, even if we take a detour road. He restores, when we get back on track, he'll bring our spouses home also. So I want you all to know that. It's getting late and I've got one question more I want to ask you, and then I would love to ask you guys just to pray shortly for each, if you don't mind praying for the standards and for all the men out there and women that are listening. Um, but I've got one question, and it's a sort of quick question, is what would you encourage, say to somebody that is going through uh, marriage restoration? How would, what is the one few things you would say, one thing, to encourage someone standing for marriage restoration that is uh, getting weary or tired, um, what is there any one thing you would that you haven't said that you want to say, and then we'll close in prayer. Right, just real quick, I, I, real quickly to reiterate: state be pray every day, be in scripture every day, and find some people that even if they don't understand your stand, they will, uh, you know, they'll support you in your stand and ask them for accountability. Amen. One of the things that I share with men um, when I meet somebody that's going through this very same journey, 
right off the bat, the first thing that I tell them, and and it's and I, I tell them I know it's hard to do this, but the very first thing is to take your eyes off your spouse for the time being, um, because this is not about you. It's about what God wants to do, and you will never be who you need to be for your wife until you're where God wants you to be. So right now, take your eyes off your wife and put them on God. Um, and and that, that's the first thing that I share with everyone. Amen. That's awesome. Yeah. i just add just a little bit to what David just said. Um, I absolutely understand now, being this far into this stand, which is something I didn't understand at the very beginning. And if if there's one point that I can make to somebody who's just starting to stand for their marriage is that be aware that God is in this. I was sitting one day in front of a Christian counselor explaining to him that my wife had left and I didn't know what to do and I was miserable. I was crying. I mean, it was it was a mess. It was really bad. It was so fresh. And he said, Jim, where's God in all this? And I said, I don't know. And he looked at me and he said, you know, God is right here. He is right in us, in, in this, with you. Amen. All Amen. You, all you have to all you have to do is turn and and ask. And so I think that's the one thing that I would encourage, especially a new stander, is to realize that God is in everything that's happening in your life right now. He's allowing this for a purpose. Satan has to ask for him to torment your family. God grants permission. And that's... And we have our own free will. So there's three things that we're battling here. But, you know, God is in this. There's a purpose in this. And trust him. Just trust him. Amen. That is awesome. Jim, um, you you, uh, close. You opened. So can I ask you to end this and... Uh, Rusty and you wanna and Dave, can you do in the first and second, and then I'll, if there's time, I'll uh, do a little tiny goodbye of starting with prayer. Thanks, Father God. Um, I just uh, thank you for this time that we've shared. Uh, thank you for this recording. Um, we're grateful, 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 grateful uh, for the opportunity that you've given us to um, help come alongside Rejoice Marriage Ministries. God, there are people in in very high-profile places in our lives right at the moment who the enemy is trying to destroy those families to take out other believers, other women and men who have stood on your word, and those those people in high places are being weakened by the noise that's around them. And, Father, I just pray that those people ignore the noise and come to you and you alone. You are the only one, the only voice that needs to be heard. And, Father, I just implore that those folks um, go to you and only to you at the foot of Jesus' cross. Uh, We thank you and we love you. It's in your Son's name we pray. Uh, Dear God, Papa, Daddy, we just call upon your name and thank you and praise you for just the opportunity to share and encourage each other. Lord, I thank you for the truth. I thank you for the truth that sets us free, and I thank you for freedom. 
I thank you this for freedom that you came. And, Lord, I just pray that you give us the strength, discernment, and the will and the long-suffering, Lord, to, to keep our wedding vows, but to turn our spouses over to you. We love you and we praise you and give you all honor and glory now and look forward to celebrating with you uh, upon the return of our spouses and the return of our Savior. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you for this opportunity that we have to share and to share what you're doing in our lives, to share the changes that you're bringing about. God, I just want to lift up, God, men men who are across this world. Lord, I just pray that you would raise up a generation of men who would be the men, the godly men, the godly husbands, the godly fathers that you have called us to be. Lord, I think that, that in our families it starts with a commission that you have given us as men to grow and be spiritual leaders within our home. And Lord, I just pray that you would touch our heart and grow us into that authentic man. Lord, I just lift up the women who are standing for their families. Lord, I pray that you would open their eyes to you and grow them into the women that you have called them to be, the Proverbs 31 woman. Lord, I thank you for all that you're doing in us. And Lord, I even thank you for this de- desert journey, this opportunity to grow and to learn who you are and who you created us to be. Thank you, Father. Amen. And, Lord, I just praise you and thank you for tonight, and I just give you the glory and honor and praise for the transparency that these three men have shared openly uh, to so many people. And, Lord, we are asking you to uh, bring the spouses that, um, that have been wounded and hurt Uh, by their husbands or their wives, either or. And we just ask that you would um, move the mountain that they're they're facing or the Jericho wall that they're seeing, and may you knock it down, and may you melt melt the mountain as wax, that you would bring all these wives and husbands who have the women and men praying for their spouses to come home. Lord, there's many as there's these three women have been wounded and hurt and uh, they need healing. And we just ask that you would go touch yes, the ones that have been wounded and hurt by the spouse. And we ask that you would heal their wounded hearts and you would touch them and change them. And then we ask that you would bring the ones who have committed adultery that have fallen into a trap of sin and uh, er- drugs or alcohol. We just ask that these standards will not give up on them regardless of their sin, that God is a deliverer, and he is our defender, and he is the one that can set them free, and that says it throughout the Bible. And uh, we just ask that you would uh, increase these standards, faith, hope, and trust, and believing that God, with nothing, is too hard for God to do, including speaking to the ones who are in a non-covenant marriage or have, are having children. Lord, I just pray that you will just move these mountains, and we just ask that you would just... Uh, crumble them, and we ask that you would speak to every one of these standers who are in a wilderness or a dry land. We just ask that you would uh, have a huge rain tonight on them and uh, fill up their rivers or their lakes uh, to be, that they will just be able to see the rain coming down and that their tree will be planted by streams of water, which will yield its fruit in season. And as it says in Psalms 1, let us not um, 
be weary that we're going to be doing something right now while we're waiting on the Lord. We, God wants us to wait on the Lord, and in his perfect timing, uh, he will <clears throat> bless us and guide each one of you and bless your marriage and heal and restore and rebuild it on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. So we thank you for tonight. We thank you for all the ones that participated. We thank you for Tim and Lori and I being here, and we just thank you for the Holy Spirit being here and all the people listening and all all the ones that will be listening in the future. We just ask you to bless this uh, meeting, and we just give you all the praise and the glory. And thank you, God, for speaking to us marriage restoration. And we do not give up on the institution of marriage that is so sacred. And, Lord, we just ask that you would uh, speak it from the pulpits uh, around the world, that marriage is permanent and Lord we've made a lot of mistakes but Lord you can restore all these marriages and may we ha- teach that in our our, cla- our church churches and even in Bible studies and when they're having problems how to deal with the problems Lord you are the one that can solve all the problems we just need to go to the right source and we need to go and have it in our church to be taught and we'll just give you the praise and the glory of what you're going to do in Jesus precious holy name. Amen. Jim, Rusty, and Dave, you have blessed us totally tonight. I know the standards are going to just be so encouraged, men and women. So uh, to God be the glory. Thank you, Charlene. Thank you so much. for rejoicing in ministries. Thank you, Charlene. Thank you so much. Dave, I appreciate and just, it, and Rusty, appreciate it, uh, and I'm I'm thrilled you've got your children. So now you get to go home, and go and be daddy now for a few days and weeks. <laughs> yes, ma'am. To God Thank be you. the glory. God bless hey, Charlene, you guys. Just to mention, just to mention, the recording of this call will be up on the website tomorrow. Is that correct? Yeah, I was I was just going to wrap question. us up and uh, give some instructions. I want to first just um, thank you guys for joining us and thank all of you that called in and um, listened to this. And it will be on our website. Um, so you can go to rejoiceministries.org and under events, you can um, hear this conference call or listen back to previous conference calls. Um, I also wanted to just make mention of the app that was brought up tonight, and that is something that if you've been reading your Charlene Cares devotionals or um, on our Facebook page, you've seen and heard about. We are in the process of creating a Rejoice Marriage Ministries app, and we have um, started the process of looking at the completed pages, and it's going to be wonderful, and we know that it will be a blessing to each of you. But one of the biggest um, features is that there will be a place where you can connect with other people. So for those of you that feel isolated and feel like you are alone and you don't have um, a friend like Rusty or Jim or Dave in your area that you can connect with, you'll be able to do that through this app. And so we're very excited about um, the opportunities that this is going to open up for you to have a better community of support as you go through this journey. Um, So you can continue watching Charlene Cares for announcements and updates on that. We're looking forward to it. It should be just a couple months, and it will be launched. And if you want to partner with us financially, um, it's a big undertaking and a big leap of faith that we're doing to um, upgrade the website and to launch this app, but we know that God's told us to do it. And so if you want to partner with us, you can visit our website and um, find information under our um, donation page about how you can help 
um, to partner with us as we launch this app. So again, guys, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. And um, I know that there will be many that will be blessed by this. Bye, guys. Thank you. Good night. Good night. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages. Divorce strikes families around the world, often with little notice. You can help us minister to these families with your financial gift. Visit RejoiceMinistries.org and help us teach men and women what Jesus can do for their hurting family.